and welcome to another episode of Dependus Bellini, the podcast. <laughs> Veronica. <laughs> Veronica is loving my entertaining voice. I can see it. <laughs> yes. I was just lip lip syncing to what you were saying. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your support. I appreciate it. Thank you for your support. Thank you all yes. for all of your support throughout all of our journey of this podcast yes. that we are giving to you. I think we're on episode 72. What? Say what? Yeah. 72 that episodes? 72. You and I have recorded 72 episodes of just nonsense. Of nonsense, of just mouth splurges. Like who knows what's who knows what's mouth coming out. Splurges. <laughs> That's knows. a quote. I gotta I write think, that down. I think that people enjoy it. <laughs> I think that, that people down. have enjoyed s- mouth splurges. I think people have enjoyed <laughs> seventy-two of our mouth splurges. Wow. I mean, I hope so. They keep coming back, right? I hope so. <laughs> I can't see anybody right now. <laughs> Well, my brother. I would hope so. My brother told me he was like, "I'm catching up again on on your podcast." So, just so you know, and he's like, "Thanks for the shout out in August about helping with your internet." And I was like, "Of course." I'm like, "Any chance I get to shout you yeah. out?" So there you go again, brother. Thank Thanks, you, brother. thank you, brother. <laughs> yes, thank you. Oh, um, by the way, I'm Jen. Here I am. Oh, oh, by the way, I'm Veronica, <laughs> and here I am. And before we get anything else going, I want to give you guys uh, information on how to email us at dependusplaining at at email. No, that's not right. It's not email.com. I wonder if there is some uh, sort of thing where you're like email.com. Just email email me. Email at (laughs) email.com. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So let's try this again. Dependusplaining at Mm -hmm. gmail.com. Or you can leave us a nice little comment on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And also, don't forget to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Give us five stars. Yes. We don't we don't want anything less than five. Yes. If you're planning on giving us four, perhaps don't. <laughs> and just give us a perhaps five. Perhaps think it again. Yeah. You're already there. You already listened to us. You're like, I'm going to give them a four. Why are you giving us a four? Just give us a mm-hmm. five. And then you can... Email us at dependusplaining at gmail.com and tell us why you almost considered giving us a four. And then be like, maybe Veronica needs to shut up more and then I'd (laughs) give you a five. I'll be like, okay. It's not going to happen. And we'll see if it works. It's not going to happen. Sorry, guys. Now now taking petitions to see if Veronica will (laughs) shut up. Zero signatures. Doesn't work. Yeah. Zero (laughs) signatures. (laughs) I refuse them all. Yeah. We don't accept. (laughs) We don't accept anything less than five stars. Yes. And um, some lovely comments would be really nice. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to send us your stories, suggestions, anything on uh, on our email. And uh, we'll give you a shout out. We will. On the podcast. If you want it. If you don't want it, tell us. Because otherwise, we just get really excited and we just shout you out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> comes out. E- email us and tell us. <laughs> be like, don't mention me on the podcast. Just that, just that, that's the subject line. Don't mention me. And then in the, in, you know, in the subject, not subject, the actual email, be like, don't mention me. Be like, great. 
Like, that's all you wanted perfect. to say. Perfect. <laughs> Don't mention me. There's no story attached I'll to it. I'll read it. I'll yeah. read it on here. I'll be like, hey, so we got this awesome email. I'm so excited to share it with you. This listener, they emailed us and they said, hey, don't mention me. Thank you. Don't mention me. <laughs> Great. Thank you, listener. Make sure you give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Yes, please. No, but for reals, like go go on there and rate us. Yes. We want that. We want your rates, subscribes, listens, everything. Find us on the Milso Muster app as well. Subscribe monthly, $4.99 a month, and you'll get us and other awesome podcasts and military resources. Perfect. Yes. Make sure you listen to their podcast, um, Mike and Moscato. Yes. As well. I think they put out, they have their first episode out now, so go over and listen to them. Yes. And um, if you're curious to know what they're all about, uh, listen to the end of this episode because we've got their exclusive trailer that you can find on Spotify as well, but <laughs> it's here. Great. Can't wait. <laughs> okay. Jen, I'm just going to jump right into it because it's it's kind of a long mm-hmm. story. So if you have, if you need a break from it, let me know. Just raise your hand like this as I'm showing you on the screen and uh, wave at me. And uh, I'll probably just wave back before I react and realize that, oh, that means Jen needs a a break. I might do it, too, because I had a cup of coffee and we just never know. (laughs) Uh, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I can't wait. I I can't wait. Today is my turn to tell you a murdery story. And today I'm going to tell you the story about the kill team. What? Have you heard? Have you heard of this? No. Have you heard of this? No. Okay. It's... Very, very interesting. I remember uh, the huge scandal when it first happened. Um, so I was like, I want to dive in. And I dove in and I could not get myself out of it. And it was like a week long of reading stuff and watching stuff. There's a documentary um, by the same name called The Kill Team and a movie as oh. well, which I started watching the movie. Um, and I thought, well, how much inf- real information can I get out of the movie, right? Because they changed the names and everything. So I was like, I'm just going to stick to the documentary and articles. So most of my information I got also from Wikipedia, Esquire, and an article on the in uh, the Rolling Stones. The magazine, not the... <laughs> not the oh, not, not the, the band? band? Oh, darn. <laughs> Rolling Stone magazine, <laughs> sorry. Um, okay, so here we go. Um... Um, it's Afghanistan, June 2009. A group of indi- individuals, uh, members of the 3rd Platoon, Bravo Company, 2nd Battalion, 1st Infantry Regiment, and 5th Brigade and 2nd Infantry Division, based out of Fort Lewis, which is uh, Fort Lewis, um, it's Joint Base, Lewis McCord now, which is mm-hmm. in Tacoma. So, Tacoma, Washington. Um, and they're based at Fob Ramrod in Maywand. Um, Maywand is a village in Afghanistan within the Maywand district of Kandahar province. It's located about 50, 50 miles or so northwest of Kandahar. Among these young men, which is, it's mostly, it's, it's all men in this platoon. And by the way, I have a really hard time saying platoon. I usually end up saying platoon. I'm really sorry. I don't know how to control it. <laughs> okay, it reminds me of um, um, my son's video game that's called Splatoon. That he loves to play. So. Oh, Splatoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
uh, so, platoon, <laughs> not platoon. Anyways, so it's it's all men, right? Okay, among these men, um, specialist Adam Winfield, private first class Andrew Holmes, specialist Jeremy Morlock, private private first class Justin Stoner, and star and staff sergeant Calvin Gibbs. There's more people involved in this whole story, but these are the main people I will be talking about today. Um, so in 2010, news broke that uh, soldiers from a Washington-based Army brigade were being accused of murdering civilian Af- uh, Afghanistan civilians in Afghanistan. Um, they were and that they were posing with their corpses and taking like pictures and taking body parts as trophies. So let's go back some this group platoon however you want to refer to it um like i mentioned before they were deployed in afghanistan morale is very low it's i mean during any deployment right (laughs) morale is not the greatest yeah that's for sure yeah so they're in the desert very little entertainment they're also disappointed in the fact that they are not seeing like any action that they expected to see um, and it's kind of just a boring situation for them. And these guys are, you know, they're they're trained warriors that they're they aren't being used to their fully trained potential. Instead, they're like having to like dig wells and they help build schools. It's just not the type of deployment they were expecting, and certainly not what you see in like movies. Yeah. So they're bored. Um, so like I said, they're trained in combat, they know how to use a weapon, they have weapons assigned to them. So, however, the use of these weapons is very limited as they are not to use them in an unnecessary manner. They really need the approval of a higher-up in order to, like, engage or discharge a weapon. Right. Uh, But I'm sure, like, in a life-threatening situation, it's totally okay to use in self-defense. But, like, just to go off and be like, I'm just going to go shoot these cans on on this post, that's not okay. Or, like, shoot, like I mentioned in the last episode how the Marines are, like, shooting up in the air. Mm -hmm. That's a no-go. You don't mm-hmm. do that. No, definitely not. So November two thousand nine, they're out on a battalion push. So they're just they're just like moving, and like thirty minutes into the push, the squad leader is hit by an IED, and it severed his left leg. So this, of course, is cause for his evacuation, right? And the platoon will now need a new leader. They need a new leader. So these guys are kind of wary. They're like okay, we've established a relationship with the staff sergeant and now he's gone, like, what's going to happen? Who's the new guy coming in? They were kind of worried about it. But then, enter staff sergeant Calvin Gibbs. Gibbs, I'll give you a little bit of background. Gibbs is a 25-year-old from Billings, Montana. Um, He arrived soon after to fill the position of squad leader. Um, Gibbs had, he, like, struggled before joining the army. He was not a good student. He had, like, barely acquired only 20 of the required credits to graduate high school and then he later on earned his GED um in an alternative school and then he enlisted soon after i think he had enlisted before he had even completed the GED program but because i guess he was well on his way they accepted him so gibbs sergeant gibbs he's now kind of he, he's kind of sort of a rogue so he seemed to work differently in order to keep himself and his platoon alive. 
And the guys knew that being under his leadership, chances were they would all make it out alive. Um, and, and in one piece, Gib, Gibbs has a very, um, he just was like not a rule follower in order to, I guess, survive. I don't know how else to put it. He just, um, he was a rogue. So Gibbs has, he has very notable tattoos on, of skulls on his shins. And supposedly every single one of those tattoos represents a kill. So he's got quite a bit. He uh, has quite a bit on both legs. Oh, wow. Yes. So that's why it, it like gives these guys confidence. It's like this guy's just storming through and, you know, he has no mercy. And, and you know, being under his watch will, will help us stay safe. That's how they feel. But soon after his arrival, word gets out about Gibbs and his uh, questionable choices during deployment. One particular story claims that during a tour, Gibbs was crossing the street. He had his weapon on hand. He notices a car heading in his direction and doesn't the car doesn't seem to have plans of stopping. So I think Gibbs was like, this guy's coming for me. Um, this is from his account, by the way. Okay. And Gibbs, yeah, feeling threatened, he opens fire on the vehicle, killing its occupants. And inside was a family, a mom, dad, and a child. Yeah, so he, I mean, he could have moved out of the way. Yeah. He could have jumped out of the way, right? Yeah. He could have maybe, like, maybe they didn't see him. He could have waved them down, something. But there was, they, they didn't question it. They didn't question it. They just took his word for it. After all, I mean, they were in a hostile environment, and, you know, everything was seen as a threat. There were threats around every corner. So they didn't question yeah. it. They're like, okay, yeah, it seems legit. They were going to, you know, mow him down, so he opened fire. So Gibbs also bragged about having the capability and knowledge to get away with murder. I guess. Oh, great! This was one of those. In- yeah, this was one of those instances where he bragged, and he's like, "I just opened fire on them, and nobody questioned it, and it's fine." These guys that are trained in combat and they're taught to be warriors or killing machines, they want to come back with a kill. I mean, to them, they see somebody that came back with the kill as a hero. So they want to be seen as that. However, they don't know the trauma that happens uh, when something like this occurs, you know? Right. They don't know the burden that take with them. Some of them can go and, op- you know, open, like Sergeant Gibbs, open fire on an innocent person and not bat an eye. But then there's somebody who could have engaged in an actual an actual combat and, and there's casualties and they live with that guilt for the rest of their lives. Yes. So... They want to be regarded as heroes, so they see him and they look up to him. Also, the, and the, the way they they see the 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 people of Afghanistan, they're all savages to them. No one is innocent, and they are always trying to kill the Americans. That's what they see. They have no sympathy for the people of Afghanistan. That's so um, sad. I know. And Gib Gibbs tells many of the guys in the platoon. Uh, about drop weapon now drop weapon is a thing where if a soldier comes across a weapon or have or happens to find a weapon somewhere that doesn't doesn't seem to belong to anybody they hang on to it in case you can plant it on a civilian to make them look not so innocent so and uh, they also use discharge grenades um, and to plant on people to make them look not so innocent and um, to say that they attacked first. 
Right. There's no way, and there's no way of disproving of disproving any of it. So, it, like the excuses fly because who's not to say that uh, an an Afghan civilian had access to weapons from the military or like took it from the military, right? So there's no way to dispute it. How do you prove it? So it's very believable. So these the guys are like fascinated with Sergeant Gibbs. I think they were just bored and wanted some action. And I think it's like a form of Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> this was their leader, right? So they mm-hmm. had to follow his rules. He provided he provided them with an adrenaline rush and the possibility of a kill and protection. Yeah. So I, that's how I see it. But I'm no no doctor, so don't listen to me. Um. So the conversation of killing these threatening Afghan civilians threatening. Um, uh, Afghans, they went on, it went on for weeks, like these conversations. Um, they worked out scenarios where they could kill and make it look like they had attacked first. Uh, and soon the conversation actually turned into plans of actually going through with it. Uh, some of the men were like super intrigued by the idea and they, from the very start, um, and some were like a no go. They were like, hell no, this is, this is murder. Like, we're not going to do this. Um, one of those guys was specialist Adam Winfield. He didn't want any part of it. And Gibbs had willing participants. And then he started forming his kill team. So let's talk about specialist Winfield. Um, at the time, he was 22 years old and he had reservations about this kill team. Gibbs was, um, he was recruiting and he, um, Winfield wanted no part of it. <clears throat> That's good. But this time, it's, yeah, to him, it's all just talk. It's all just talk. And he's like, okay, well, you know, they're bored, blah, blah, blah. But it actually happens. The first incident happened on the morning of January 15th in La Mohammed Calais, an isolated farming village. In order to provide perimeter security, the soldiers parked their strikers, which is a type of tank i want to say <laughs> i should look that up it's a vehicle i think it's a tank anyways they parked it on the outskirts of the settlement and they set out on foot they're always looking out for threat and they don't know if these villages are taliban sympathizers so everything's a threat to them plus they're not going to be like walking around Wait, like these these people are not going to be walking around waiting to like kill Americans. They usually like stay hidden from the American troops, where it's an easier way to attack them. Right. So, so the officers of the platoon talked to the village elder, and then um, Private First Class Andrew Holmes, who was nineteen at the time, and Specialist Jerry Morlock, twenty one at the time, find themselves away from the rest of the platoon. Uh, kind of like on the far edge of the village. And they see it as a perfect chance to execute the previously discussed plan. And they begin to look for someone to kill. Yes, Jen. So they talk it over and discuss how it will go. And they will like, they will pretend they, the, like the civilian had a grenade and throws it at him. They're like, hey, this is how it's going to go. You saw the guy and... He had a grenade in his hand and then he like throws it at you and then you like shoot him and then we plant the grenade and then it's a kill. Right. So we'll be seen as heroes. Uh, So they spot a civilian in a nearby poppy field 
there is no one with him. He's all by himself. So they, they go for it. And um, Morlock uh, yells, grenade. Holmes fires his weapon at the civilian. Morlock sets off the grenade and they both take cover behind a wall. Their victim, Jen, was a 15-year-old boy. Oh, yeah. my God. Mm-hmm. Oh. His name was Gal Mudin. I'm really sorry if I don't pronounce these correctly. Gal Mudin, 15 years old. Um, Morlock would later on confess that he was not a threat and actually had a welcoming expression on his face. The boy had followed their, his, their orders when they told him to stop. And he did. He did as he was told. Um, not a threat at all. And they still, they shot him just for fun. So in a normal situation, when there's, when there's gunshots and a grenade going off, soldiers react. But in this case, like, you know, they like all run. They're like, what's going on? Why is this happening? Someone's in trouble. Someone's in danger. And they all react. But in this case, like none of the platoon reacted. Nobody. Except for Winfield. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Except um, Specialist Winfield. Uh, Mm -hmm. Winfield, he heard it over the radio, like um, more like called it in. And he said, you know, they had come under attack. Winfield knew right away that they had they had set this up. Yeah. He 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 had heard the conversation of the planning, so he knew it was all staged. <clears throat> so the officers that had been previously speaking to the to the elder, the village elder, they come out to investigate and they they relay their this their the guys tell them about the story and you know the, the, their lies basically about the the kid having the grenade and he's like, you know, we engaged. Um one of the officers tells Morlock to make sure that he's dead. He's like, he's a, he was a threat. He could possibly still be alive just because of the way they shoot him. Um, make sure he's dead. So Morlock then shoots the boy two more times. Yeah. The, then the village elder who had been talking to the officers, he comes out to identify the body, the boy, and it turned out it was his son. Oh, no. Yeah, it gets worse. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, God. So they stripped him naked to check for, like, any identifying tattoos. He's 15. Yeah. He's 15, by the way. Um, And then they proceed to take pictures of him and with him. Like, they're mm-hmm. all excited about, uh, they're, like, celebrating their first kill, basically. Being yeah. a part of their kill team, it's their first kill together. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's disgusting. I know. And then Morlock and Holmes each, they take turns posing with the boy's body. Oh. And they grab him by the hair like they're holding up a deer carcass. Yeah. Yeah. They went hunting. Then. They went hunting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was like, they went hunting. This is my, this is my kill for the day. Oh. But it, it's a human. It's not an animal. Oh. Like, you, yeah. Then here comes Gibbs with a proud look on his face and seeing, you know, what his protégés had done. So he proceeds to manhandle and disrespect the dead boy, and he move like he's by like moving his arms and his mouth like as if he were a puppet. <sighs> yeah, he then produces a set of medical uh, medic shears and cuts off one of the boy's pinky fingers. He gives it to Holmes later on as a trophy and a memento of his first kill. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Yep. 
it's disgusting. His plan was for the 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 flesh on the finger to decompose and fall off, and uh, they were gonna make a necklace out of these fingers. Fingers is the operative word here because it gets worse. <laughs> so they they were, they were so excited to have these the the first kill. To them, it didn't matter how or why it happened. It was just like I got a kill. It doesn't matter if it was an innocent. It doesn't matter if we set it up. We're gonna be heroes. They care. They carry the boy is carried and strapped to the front of the striker. I'm not sure if there's like a compartment for him or if he was just like strapped to this the front of this vehicle, but that's how they mention it. They head back to the fob and sure shit, they're met with like high fives and are received as heroes with you know all the the cheer and joy in the world. These guys, but they all know they all know a stage and they just fucking roll out the red carpet for these guys for these murderers they all knew so winfield he's like this is not right he's so confused as to why everyone seems to be okay with this like he's like am i the only one who sees how wrong this is it's it's murder it's it's murder he's not okay with this like it's just eating him up and in inside yeah so then so then winfield contacts his dad via facebook it's probably just like Facebook chat back then because I don't think they had Messenger yet. I don't think so. Yeah. So he tells his dad, his name, his dad's name is Christopher, what's happening. Winfield wants no part in it and he wants it to stop. He wants to do something about it. But he knows that there is a large possibility that they can retaliate, right? Because he's like snitching on them, basically ratting them out. Right. And he knows that. He knows that the majority of the platoon is loyal to Gibbs and it would it would be his word against like 30 guys. So he feels he feels trapped. It's a bad situation. Any way you looked at it, he's like damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. He doesn't know what to do. And so he tells his dad this and, you know, tells his dad how he's feeling. So Winfield then decide he's like, I can't I can't go up my chain of command because it's not going to look good. Like it's, you know. These these guys are killing civilians. They could easily kill me. So he decides to talk to the chaplain. Um, that seems like a reasonable route. Yeah. Right? It's discreet yeah. and so, what uh confidential. So it is yeah, exactly. But then Gibbs and some of the other guys get wind of it and Gibbs um he interferes, yeah, oh, and no. he questions he questions Winfield, yeah. And he's like, You're not gonna say anything are you like are you gonna go tell him and so now he really feels threatened um and later on in a statement with army officials morlock states that once they suspect the suspected winfield of whistleblowing gibbs considered taking winfield out and they had talked about like taking him to the gym and dropping a weight on his head oh my so god it was just like, yeah so it was just so matter of factly they're like yeah, this if he if he plans on saying anything, we'll just take him out. Yeah, and he he also claims in this statement that this is um from Morlock um that they knew Gibbs wasn't joking. Like when he said stuff like that, they knew he meant it. He was not one to bullshit. No. And one day, Winfield straight up asked Morlock if they are plotting against him. To which Morlock right out admits it. He says, "Yeah." Um, so uh, 
Winfield knows that him seeking help is betrayal in the eyes of his brothers in arms, right? They're they're like he's turning on us. And he also knows that these guys would lay their lives down for each other. So they're there to protect each other. But as soon as you turn on them, they will turn on you as well. Yeah. So he's so he's super conflicted. He's terrified. He's always looking over his shoulder. He still continues to talk with um, his dad about the situation and trying to figure out a way to get out of this horrible situation. He wants no part in these events. Um, but Winfield knows that all of this goes up the chain of if all of this goes up the chain of command, and the platoon will find out eventually. I mean, they have to because they have to. It's about them. So yeah. how how is he going to go about this? Yeah. Um, so his dad is trying every which way to help him from from home. His dad is making calls to try and help his son. He calls the army uh, helpline. No response. He even calls Bill Nelson, who was a senator from Florida. No response. Um, oh, so he, he gets a hold, finally, of a, a sergeant at the Joint Base Lewis-McCord. And he was like, meh. It's his word against the entire platoon. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, who's going to believe him? Yeah. I mean, Call it's, CID. It's true. And that's so... That's so hard to see because that's like the whole that's why nobody ever wants to do anything because that stigma mm -hmm. with anything and yeah, yeah like it's one guy against that entire platoon you know who are they gonna really take mm -hmm. yeah. yeah that's so hard i know yeah so he he tells them to call cid um so he then spoke to another sergeant a lewis mccord who agreed that winfield was in danger but until he goes up the chain of command, there can't be anything done for him. He has to report the crime to his superiors before the army can take any action. Ugh. So, yeah. Yeah, it was like, like one of his superiors is Sergeant Gibbs, who is the one committing these crimes. So it's like yeah. he has to go to somebody else. But it will get come back down to Gibbs finding out. And then that poor kid is in so much danger. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I mean, they already know that mm -hmm. he was going to talk to somebody. So they're, I mean, they're already on to him. So if anything came back to them, they know exactly yeah. who to blame for it. So that's terrifying. Yeah. Exactly. And he, he, I think he's made it pretty clear that he doesn't want to do anything to do with it. I right. mean, he's not... He's not participating in the plotting and the conversations. He's just a witness to all of this. So, and then, so then because of that, Gibbs is harassing Winfield and he's calling him like a pussy and he should be down to kill because they're all just savages. And he's, and this is how he's referring to the, the people out of Afghanistan. So it's, yeah, he's just like, this is so horrible. So I can't even imagine how that young kid is feeling um so he, winfield knows they're planning another kill he knows he's like and he's just he's just waiting for someone to help him he's just sitting around waiting for someone to help him he's like my dad is trying everything he can back home i hope someone comes in and just swoops us out of here and prevents any more deaths and gibbs seems to be like recruiting more guys to his kill team and they all just want to go home with the kill that's what they want they're all agreeing to it and sure enough a second kill happens um on february 22nd uh using thermal imagery the soldiers discover marak 
Aga. Again, I'm sorry I don't I didn't if I didn't pronounce that correctly. Uh, he's curled up in a ball by the roadside. Uh, Gibbs and uh, specialist Michael S. Wagnon uh, shot him and placed an AK-47 next to the body to justify the killing. They keep part of his skull. What? Yeah. Yeah. That's their trophy is part of his skull. The army later said it. they believed that Marak Aga, um, that he was deaf and mentally disabled. And they also take pictures with him. They take pictures with him. Yeah. Um, it's disgusting. Yeah, completely. So Morlock actually claims that taking pictures of the dead are not uncommon during deployment. Which I totally believe because there's been a few scandals of American troops um, in the Middle East taking pictures with deceased. Uh, yeah. I've, I've seen some of them. I remember seeing one of one girl standing on top of a, a body of pier or a pyramid of bodies. Um, so it's not an uncommon. I don't know what possesses people to do these kinds of things. Which it's like I understand that, you know, some of these are legitimate kills. Let's just say that. That doesn't give them the right to disrespect their bodies. They're still human, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awful. That's just gross. I Yeah. Yeah. To put it out there, it's like, why can't you just... Yeah. They're so proud. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be proud of that. It's not okay. Um. So, and Winfield feels really let down by the army. He wanted to do good and help while on deployment. He wanted to make a change for the good in Afghanistan. But he soon realized that not all of his platoon felt the same way. He was not amongst good people. So he's at a crossroads. Should he do the right thing and risk his own life or just keep shut and deal with it? His parents feel pretty much the same way because they're so worried and, and they fear for his life. So they don't know if they should continue to find him help or advise him to keep his head down until the deployment is over. They're in the same boat as him. So sometime during the deployment, Morlock goes on R&R. &R. Um, while he's home, he struggles with adjusting to regular civilian life. He's clearly suffering from PTSD, but he pushes those feelings down. Um, he, he wants to get back to the deployment. Like, I think he struggles while home with the fact that he killed an innocent person, but he doesn't know how to process it, pushes it down, pushes it down. Um, but once he returns to deployment, Gibbs welcomes him with open arms and is eager to show him his trophies he has collected. Um, May 2010, the deployment is almost over. Um, Winfield is just trying to hold, hold on and keep his head down. He knows that Gibbs has plans for another kill. It's like one more before he goes home, right? And with Winfield, again, he wants no part in it. So the morning of May 2nd, the platoon was on a routine patrol in a village called uh, Qualiday. Qualiday? Qualiday. It's a few miles from base. Um, so following their standard procedure, the unit's leaders enter a house to talk with a man who had previously been arrested for having an IED. So that's what they're there for, investigating, right? And so it, it leaves the, the rest of the platoon is like free to roam around the village. And they're looking for targets and without, and you know, they don't have the officers around to supervise. So they're like, oh, this is a perfect chance. So outside the house, 
Morlock was showing Winfield um, how to, and like, he was, like, explaining to him how to use, like, how grenades explode, you know, telling him to remain on the ground during the blast. Then the two soldiers moved off with Gibbs. Um, they kind of just wander off with Gibbs. Um, in a nearby compound, they, so they, they pick out a man, and I, I believe the man had, there was, like, people with him. He was no threat to them. Gibbs then asked the men if, if that's the man they want to take out. Winfield is in a panic. He knows what's about to happen, and he's he sees no way out of it. He's like, Gibbs is setting us up for this, and there's no way out of it, because it's just them. It's just them. Um, so they hash out a plan saying that the man attacked them, they saw a grenade, blah, 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 they had to engage, they shot him. Winfield is terrified, and Morlock is trying to, like, talk him through it, keep him calm, and, and it's like, what is, what is happening here? At this point, like, Winfield is considering shooting Morlock and Gibbs just so he wouldn't, you know, have to kill an innocent man, but then how would he, yeah. how would he explain that? Like, how would he explain, I've shot them. Yeah. Because he was gonna kill this guy. He like I said, he's damned either way. He he he'd probably have a clear conscience if he killed Morlock and Gibbs, but there's no way to explain that. He'd be screwed. Even worse. So they go ahead as planned. They set off the grenade. Morlock and Winfield fire their guns a few times. Winfield claims to not have aimed directly at the man, just in like the general direction. Um so when the dust settles from the grenade blast, um, Gibbs is clearly pleased. He has a smile on his face. And he walks over to the dead man and then he shoots the guy a few more times. He shoots him more. And then he instructs Morlock to plant the grenade on him. So it looks like he was the one that set it off. And they proceed to take pictures with this man as well. And this is this is tormenting. I know. This is tormenting Winfield. And he's just wondering how the hell he ended up in this situation. How how did how did he end up doing something that he did not want to do in the first place? So Winfield, so they take the pictures right, and in the documentary they show the pictures. This particular picture, um, which please don't Google these images. It's it's I told Jen they're in my brain for the rest of my life, and I can't unsee what I saw. Um, but. In the picture, you see Morlock, Gibbs, and Winfield. Morlock and Gibbs look indifferent. Like, their faces are just like, mm, we did this. Kind of proud of themselves. And Winfield has a small smirk on his face, but you could see it in his eyes. He is fucking terrified. It's just like that. To me, that picture spoke a thousand words of that kid that he did not want to do it. It was just, He looks terrified. Um... But he still yeah. participated, you know? He still did it. He kind of got, he got stuck, is, is what it sounds like. He was, he was stuck, and he had no, it's like he just didn't have any way out. Mm -mm. Yeah. Any way out. Yeah. Um. And so Winfield knows that Gibbs loves the thrill of the kill, and would certainly enjoy killing Winfield if he, if he had to. No hesitation. Again, none of this shit is questioned. They just take their words for it. None of it. Even though they had witnesses, civilian witnesses saying, no, this is not how it happened. They don't believe them. They don't 
believe them. It's awful. And Winfield in the documentary says that he will never forget the screams of one of the women that was with him. Like, he will never forget that. It's like, well, no, you killed an innocent man in front of his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, here's where the shit show starts, Jen. Three days after the murder, Private First Class Justin Stoner walked into the company's Tactical Operations Center to register a complaint. Stoner was sick and tired of the soldiers using his unit to smoke hash. Yes, Jen, that's right. They were smoking the devil's lettuce. <laughs> Uh, they were getting high, yeah, on deployment. I guess this wasn't uncommon for them. And in the movie, like wow. as far, yeah, as far as I watched in the movie, they, they do depict the scene, and they, they're like, um, the guy that's supposed to play the role of Sergeant Gibbs walks in, and he sees them, and they're like, oh shit, we got caught, and he's like, I'll get you some better, more quality hash than this shit. That's in the movie, so I don't know. I don't think wow. I don't I don't think Gibbs um, in real life cared for smoking too much, but anyways, they had access to it. The guys were smoking, and they were using Stoner's. Uh, oh, I just that just that just made that just hit me. His name is Stoner, and they were all getting stoned. Anyways, um, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were all getting high in his in his unit, so yeah, they were getting high on deployment, Jen, in the army. On a mili- military installation. That sounds really safe. Like right. something, yeah, definitely, so, definitely what you should be doing on deployment for sure. Good choices, everyone. So Stoner was over the smell of it. He's like, I can't, like, this This shit is penetrating my walls and my clothes. Like, I can't, I can't take it. So he was sure that if someone walked into his quarters and smelled that, that he would be the one to get in trouble, right? Because it would be who's who's gonna believe him um so they they're not gonna believe this young you know private first class so stoner he had he had asked the guys to take their smoking elsewhere but they were like no we like it here (laughs) so and then stoner talked to a sergeant about the hash smoking and during the conversation he got emotional i think it just Everything spilled out. I think it was just like the stress of being on deployment and he's young and he's seeing all this shit and he's he's probably scared and he starts spilling his guts. He told the sergeant about having executed a man by the roadside, um, which was the second the second murder uh, that they had all done. Um, and the sergeant didn't take his story seriously. He's just thinking that like Stoner was just upset about the incident and needed to like vent to someone you know Mm -hmm. so he just was like okay whatever i mean they at this point they still think that it was a justified kill so the sergeant didn't even bother to report it to his chain of command he reassured stoner that the hash problem would be taken care of and his reporting would be kept confidential confidential that didn't happen we'll see about that yeah that (laughs) didn't happen the unit got word the very next day oh, that boy. Stoner had ratted them out. Yeah. So this sends everyone into a panic. Gibbs rounds up his kill gang to discuss the situation and how to fix it. Gibbs said snitches get stitches. So May 6th, 2010, Gibbs and six of the other soldiers walk into Stoner's room. And right away, Stoner's like, 
I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. They lock the door behind them. They proceed to beat up Stoner. Stoner, like I said, he knew what was going to happen from the moment they walked in. And he was just like, what am I going to do? I just have to let it happen. And the guys grabbed him by the throat, dragged him to the floor, and gave him a good beat down. But they were very careful not to strike his face so they wouldn't leave any visible injuries or bruises. So there would be no questioning. Wow. Yes. So Gibbs and Morlock then talk to Stoner and threaten to kill him if he rats them out again. Gibbs explained how easy it would be to kill him the next uh, the next time they went out on patrol and then and then they would hide he's saying by hiding his body in a Hesco barrier. So I had to look this up. A Hesco barrier is used as a temporary structure for floods or like beaches for erosion control. And the military uses them as like um like a levee or a blast wall. So they're like collapsible they're made they look like they're made of chicken wire they're like wire ones and they're collapsible kind of like a picture like a those ikea boxes the cube boxes how they fold down on it on themselves they're like that, but like really really big and the the inside is like fabric and they fit it's filled with dirt so it's like really easy to set up and really easy to tear down and they stay up for a really long time as long as they need them i guess so he threatens um, the stoner and says, I'm going to put you in one of those. Like if you rat us out and no one will ever find you until that shit comes down. And then it's going to be like, well, who did it? How long has it been here? Who knows? Wow. So then to drive his point, Gibbs pulls out a small bundle of cloth from like his pocket and he like unfolds it on the floor. And he tossed, he, he like tossed two fingers on the floor. Yeah. What? Yeah. Two fingers to drive his point to Stoner, this poor kid. Um, And the Morlock told Stoner to keep shut unless he wants to end up like that guy. Talking about the fingers. Oh, okay. Wow. How are you doing, Jen? I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm in shock of, I'm just in shock. It's like a total abuse of power. Right? And it's so sad. Yes. Yes. You give people power. Pe- the people with power... You give people power hoping that they do something good and positive with it. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, most people will turn around and take that power only to benefit themselves yeah. and nobody else. And in this case, it was like they want to be regarded as heroes uh, no matter what cost because they have kills. It's like you still killed somebody. You still killed somebody. You still have to live with that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so Stoner is 100% sure that Morlock and Gibbs will follow through with their promise. So the following day, Stoner was getting examined by a medic. I'm not sure how he ended up in the medic tent. I think, I don't, I don't know. I think maybe when he went to speak to the sergeant about the whole hash thing, they might, no, that can't be, I don't know. He ended up in the medic tent. I'm not sure how. It doesn't, I couldn't find why. Either way, they, they notice the evidence from the, the beating that from the day before they see that he has bruises. So Stoner was then sent to talk to army investigators. And in the course of talking about the assault, Stoner described how Gibbs had thrown the severed fingers on the floor. So again, he probably got emotional and started just spilling his guts again. The investigators pressed him about how Gibbs 
came by the fingers and Stoner told them it was because the platoon had killed a lot of innocent people. Uh, and then Stoner, as instructed by the investigator, he began to recount like bit by bit the whole story and he started dropping names, places, and times of all of this. So the the members of the platoon find out because one of the medics i guess was <laughs> jen's face like oh shit. yeah um yeah one uh, one of the medics was uh good friends with the in one of the articles they described her as being popular oh. <laughs> with the platoon oh great i don't know what that means mm-hmm. i'm not judging mm-hmm. i'm not judging i'm just saying but they knew her and so she calls and tells them hey stoner was just over here and he was very hush hush with some higher ups like what's happening great so they know that's why he's there so and the the members they soon get called in for questioning themselves many of them confirm stoner's accounts and they give detail about the shootings morlock is very relaxed when talking about this and um in the, he's so undisturbed by everything. He describes the kills in detail, like he was giving you directions to the closest in and out. So matter of factly, like nothing, like no feeling attached to it. And this was all on video, by the way. Um, he was just very detached from it all. It was like it was his job almost. It wasn't his job, by the way. Um, so army investigators started looking for evidence right away um and they're starting where morlock claimed gibbs had kept his war trophies morlock said that it was at the bottom of a plastic water bottle on top of a hesco barrier near gibbs's housing unit um sure enough they go and there was two fingers wrapped in cloth so they compared the prints of these fingers to the database that the they the company kept so i guess when they have kills they take the fingerprints, um, just for record. Yeah. The the fingers didn't match any of the prints, which meant that the data was either screwed up or the fingers in the cloth were from some other kill, not in the database. So perhaps another kill committed by Gibbs without um, having been reported. Maybe on his own or something. So, exactly. Yikes. Exactly. Wow. So the floodgates have been opened and these guys start getting arrested. We're coming to an end, Jen. We're coming to an end. Um, it's all over the media. It, it, this is a crazy story. I mean, you have those that are, are trained to protect our country and are killing innocent people in other countries. It's disgusting. So Winfield's parents get word of this and they are relieved. They're like, yes, our son is safe. He's still alive. This is over. He gets to come home. Right. Um, But then they realized, I don't think they knew what had happened, like what he had participated in. But then they realized that their son, he, they might, they might need a lawyer for him. So don't forget, like his, his, his dad has been trying to help and was kind of blown off. So he's like, I'm going to get a, a lawyer because my son tried to help. But the army reassures him that um, Specialist Winfield um, was just a witness and he is very instrumental in the case against Gibbs. Lies. I, I don't believe that. I was just going to say, I don't feel like that's Lies. true at all. I don't think they mm-hmm. did that. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you are correct, Jeff, because then the commander of the base contacts Winfield's parents and informs them that their son has been arrested and he's being charged with murder. Yes. Winfield is so scared. He's so scared and he's so confused and he's like contemplating suicide because he's like, my life is over. What have I done? I can't live with this. And he starts looking for like uh, a note a notepad to write his his suicide letter and he comes across a bible and luckily he's able to find comfort the comfort he needs to face this in the bible so um he scratches the suicide um winfield at this point now that he's being court-martialed and uh, which means he'll be charged judged and sentenced all by the same people isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like, there's no jury of his peers. <laughs> and him, he, like the others, will have to plea his case and hope for the best. So, I'm going to go and tell you, because it's, um, it's all over. All these guys have been arrested. So, now I'm going to tell you what they were charged with. Some of these people I have not mentioned. Some of these I have. Um, there's a lot more that are part of this, but... These ones were the most instrumental. Um, Staff Sergeant David Bram was not mentioned, but he did participate with uh, Gibbs. So he's actually from my neck of the woods in in, uh, Vacaville, California. So he was charged with conspiracy to commit assault and battery, unlawfully striking another soldier, violating a lawful order, uh, dereliction of duty, cruelty and maltreatment, and endeavoring to impede an investigation. In May 2011, additional charges were filed against Bram, including solicitation to commit premeditated murder, aggravated assault on Afghan civilians, planting evidence, and unlawfully discussing murder scenarios with subordinates. So, and then specialist uh, Michael Wagnon, who I briefly mentioned in part of the story, um, in 2011, Wagnon faced the following charges, possessing a human skull fragment, conspiracy to harm Afghans, premeditated murder, assaulting non-combatants, trying to destroy evidence after um, pre-trial hearings, an army investigation officer twice recommended that prosecutors drop the charges, and in February 2011, Lewis McCord, senior commander, Major General Lloyd Miles, dismissed them, ending the army's prosecution. What? Mm-hmm. Yep. Private First Class Andrew Holmes, who was... Um, Involved in that first murder, um, Andrew Holmes' attorney argued they were constrained in defending him by the Army's decision to conceal photos of the man he had allegedly shot in January. The National Institute of Military Justice argued that the gruesome corpse photos should be made public, which they were. Um, Ho- Holmes has also said Morlock threatened his life if he told anyone that the killings of Galmuddin, the 15-year-old boy, was staged and unnecessary. A doctor testified at Holmes' trial that there were no that there were no machine gun wounds on the victim. Um that prosecutor said was shot by Holmes' machine gun. Another soldier testified that the body was riddled with wounds and that it appeared to him that it was Holmes' weapon that killed Mudin. So they're arguing whether or not he was the one that shot up the boy. Um, So in September 2011, Holmes pleaded guilty to murder without premeditation and was sentenced to seven years in prison. He was released from prison on October 25th, 2015. Wow. Specialist um, 
Jeremy N. Morlock. Jeremy Morlock, 22-year-old Army specialist from Wasilla, Alaska, was sentenced to 22 years in prison, um, reduction to the lowest enlisted grade, and dishonorably discharged by a military tribunal. Morlock pleaded guilty to three counts of premeditated murder, murder, conspiracy, obstruction of justice, and illegal drug use. He will become eligible for parole after serving seven years in federal prison. He has agreed to testify against the other soldiers allegedly involved. During his hearing, he was asked by Judge Lieutenant Colonel Quasi Hawks, uh, were you, quote, were you going to shoot at civilians to scare them and it got out of hand, end quote. Morlock replied, quote, the plan was to kill people, sir, end quote. Wow. Yeah. So they were like, you know, was it an accident? And he's like, nope. <laughs> uh, Morlock challenged his guilty plea, but the Army Court of Criminal Appeals affirmed the conviction and sentence. Morlock, Morlock's mother accused the U.S. government of scapegoating him. I think the government, quote, sorry, I quote, I think the government is just playing these guys as um, scapegoats. The leaders dropped the ball. Who was watching over all of this? End quote. I agree. I totally agree with her. Um, I think these guys were just pawns in these game, as all of the troops everywhere are. They're just pawns in the game. However, Gibbs, you know, being so, so, um, you know, out of control, he was using these guys as this. Where were the superiors? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was the superior. So they yeah. counted on him. So Private First Class Justin Stoner, who's our whistleblower, he, Private First Class Stoner, was a soldier who caused the investigation to begin. Stoner was not charged and was honorably discharged in 2012. But he, he, he did enlist in the Army Reserves eight months later. And then Adam, Specialist Adam Winfield, on August 5th, 2011, uh, Winfield charged with premeditated murder and conspiracy to commit murder, pleaded guilty under a plea deal to involuntary manslaughter and use of illegal controlled substance. The involuntary manslaughter charge stems from Winfield's failure to intervene and prevent the other soldiers from carrying out the attack against uh, the Afghan in U.S. custody. Under the plea deal, he did not admit to the killing of Mullah Adadad, which was the third murder. He claimed that the fire, um, that he fired his automatic weapon away from I'm sorry, I can't pronounce that. I'm sorry. But that he did nothing to stop the murder. He was sentenced to three years in prison and he was released from prison in August 2012. So that's what they had claimed that he was, he should have been able to stop it, but he didn't. Please. But it's like, come on. You could have seen that the, he was trying to do something before all this got they to that done point too they, they saw that he was trying yeah. his dad was trying he could do he was trying to do anything but had he gone to all those you know higher ups and chain up the chain of command he would have gotten himself killed like if he tried to intervene exactly. at that point when they killed that last guy he would have gotten killed they would have shot him exactly. dead too yeah exactly yeah so they don't right. see that. Like, use your brain in this that. fact. He's already been threatened multiple times. And so why why would he... He would rather save his life, too. So that... I just... Mm-hmm. Mm, this just makes me so angry. I know that... It's like on paper, I understand. This is what should have been done. This is what they did. This is what happened from the results. On paper, it makes sense. But they don't take into account human right. interaction and human reaction. So... 
yeah, this, this, it was just, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and there was no one there to help him and he couldn't even help anybody there. Like, there was was nothing for him to do. He could not stop it. He could not interfere. He would have died right then and there. Mm -hmm. So that's just, that's super frustrating. And again, it's the abuse of power and bullying. It's straight up bullying right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's true. Uh, So, Staff Sergeant Calvin Gibbs, this is the kill the kill team ringleader. Um, again, he's from Billings, Montana, which is a very pretty place, by the way. He was the highest ranking soldier in in uh, in the case. He was charged with conspiracy and three counts of premeditated murder for plotting to kill three Afghan civilians and then murdering them. Gibbs was convicted by a military jury on 15 counts, including the premeditated murder of Mudin Aga and Adadad, as well as illegally cutting off pieces of their corpses and planting weapons to make the men appear to be Taliban fighters. In in November 2011, Gibbs was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 10 years, minus the 547 days of uh, pretrial confinement. He expressed regret for human trophy collecting, but not for the killings in which he participated, claiming they were all justified. So he maintains his justified kills. I know. Sick person. Disgusting. So sick. So in all, 11 soldiers were convicted in the kill team trials. Um, This was so sad. I saw the the documentary follows Winfield because he was instrumental to all of this as well as um stoner but mostly winfield is the one that's well it's so sad his parents uh during the trial he's putting on his dress blues and the mom goes i've never seen you in your dress blues and they like take pictures with him because i mean he looks so handsome in his dress blues and they're taking pictures of him i was like this is it's not the time it should not have been like that it should not have been them taking pictures of his of their son like that going to trial you know, it should have been in happier moments, but nonetheless, he still smiles and for the pictures. And I think he's just happy to have the support of his family. But yeah, uh, Morlock, I think he just got caught up in all of it. He's just in in the interview. He's just like telling you a story. He's not. He doesn't seem remorseful like at all. At all. That's what I got. He's just like, yeah, this is what we did. This is how it happened. This is what this person did. And just I was like, what is God like it, it, it? He's speaking as if he were a free man telling you recounting these stories. But he's not. He's in prison. Not remorseful so at all. That's yeah. so sad. Ugh. And yeah. So, you know, Morlock or I'm sorry, Winfield claims that it's the worst thing that's ever happened and that he's ever done. And he knows he has blood on his hands despite the way it happened. Either way, like, he's like, even if he, if he did, if his weapon was the one that killed the, the civilian in the third murder, um, or not, he still has blood on his hands because he didn't prevent it. You know, we all know the situation and why he wasn't able to, but he's still like, has, he has PTSD. He's, he feels, he lives with a lot of guilt. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Stoner, he doesn't want to be a whistleblower. He says that if he could go back, he would take it all back and he wouldn't have said anything because now he lives with the stigma of him him ratting out people. 
and you know he he enlisted in the army reserves afterwards so it's like everybody yeah. knows him they're like oh we know you ratted your team out it's like well yes but for the for the right reasons like yeah we stopped people from getting murdered but it's like this is one platoon 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 this is one platoon how many more are out there that are doing this so that's the story of the kill team holy cow that was insane insane yeah wow I've so I've seen I remember seeing some things and when that was all happening, but not I you know not paying that close of attention to it and everything. But man, just like God, I um I see those articles pop up all the time when I'm trying to look for a story or anything. Uh, those those are like the big time ones that come up with the people that have you know killed in Afghanistan pretty much like illegally and um or got in trouble for it and so wow yeah wow it was a crazy and there's so much to it there's so much more but i was like i've been doing this for a few days now like reading and typing all of this out i was like i i'm, I'm up to 10 pages of <laughs> just typing i was like i'm just gonna put in what I find the most interesting, most important yeah. details um, and then go from there. But there's so much to it. And the whole thing is just so disturbing. It is. That's so sad. That's so sad because then, yeah, especially those that actually have feelings still and everything, they carry that around with them for the rest of their lives. Like you mm-hmm. will never, I mean, you'll never be the same person ever again. And they were so young. That's what makes Never. me so sad. It's so yes. young and so impressionable. And they're just starting out their army career. And then it, it's like total corruption. And it's terrible. Yeah. That's what I said. It's like, you know, they, uh, at the beginning of the story, I was like, they, they were bored from being on deployment. Morale is low. They just want right. some action. They want some excitement. And the, Gibbs was there to provide them with this adrenaline rush, you know. And it, it just, it was, it should not have been in in that way like it should not have been by killing someone Mm -hmm. you know exactly but he was there for that and he's like you're gonna be regarded as heroes people are gonna see you as like you know you saved lives by killing these savages and it's like no one's gonna question it no one's gonna know no one has to know how you did it as long as you did it oh yeah yeah wow sorry that was uh, no I, that was just that's a lot and wow <laughs> it just i have no words mm-hmm. you know so shocked i like my <laughs> face the whole time was just like what is going on here please, please don't look up these images okay. jen i just don't curious just don't. minds of course <laughs> i um i know i know i know i shouldn't don't do it no one do it you don't want to do it don't okay. do it. Don't put yourself through that. I'm yeah. sorry, Veronica, that you had to see all that. Yeah. I'm sorry, too. I'm, so, I'm sorry, too. <laughs> and I was just reading about it. I can't even imagine the people that are actually there and get to yeah. witness it firsthand or have to experience it. Just it's yeah. fucked up. All, exactly. all the way around. It was fucked up. Yep. Any way you look at it. Completely. War is dirty. War is dirty. 
So, okay, let's talk about something more well, positive. Let's bring it up a bit. Let's lighten it up. I'm sad over here well, now in my closet. I don't have anything like super <laughs> uplifting because it's funny that you did that one because I had, um, I have history of American wars. <laughs> more more murder stuff. murders and wars. Um, I just thought it would be. I like you know, history. I though. just thought it would be kind of fascinating to read up and learn a little bit about each American war, every war that. Uh, have had American service members in them. So I gathered up all all the wars, and um, mm-hmm. I have the very basics of of what each one is, so I'm probably leaving out quite a bit of information. You know, some people, you should probably know these because, you know, history class, and we all pay attention in history class. I, I did. Didn't. I love history. I didn't. <laughs> I do. I'm such a... I'm such a sucker for a history lesson. I like learning about it now and seeing it, like being able to see it in real life too, you know, see these buildings and all that. Yes. So, but when I was in high school, I was not having yeah. it. I was not into it. And so there might be things that are <laughs> not said and uh, I apologize, but. You you mean you can't cover all of history every single second uh, of it? You know, this is what we're here I to do. I mean, that's what we're trying to do, right? All we could just, every week, we'll just add some more uh, American history to our thing eventually yeah. eventually maybe episode number 1872 we'll get to the end maybe who knows <laughs> to the end uh, our end <laughs> and the world's end it's all gonna end jen will give it to you in real time as the world mm-hmm, is imploding mm-hmm. and we're all moving to mars in itself oh yeah. i can't wait you can grow potatoes on mars according to matt damon you can grow potatoes right? on mars I believe him. <laughs> According to Matt Damon. I believe anything he says. That man is gorgeous. <laughs> I'll take yes. it. All right. Yes, so these are this is the history of American <sighs> wars. Um, I'll give you the war dates, a little tidbit on what it was, and the service okay. members, how many casualties, and the cost in today's dollar. Because that blew my mind. Oh, inflation. Yeah. I like it. All right, so yeah. first one, Revolutionary War. It happened 1775 to 1783. I really like the pause between it happened and the day because you're like, it happened. Movie. <laughs> it did. Did you know that? Sorry. It happened. It happened. Um, so <laughs> okay. The Revolutionary War is uh, the British Navigation Act's closing of Western lands, restricting of colonial currency. Quartering Act, Stamp Act, and the Townsend Acts enacted by British Parliament contributed to the revolution of colonists. In 1783, by the Treaty of Paris, independence of the 13 colonies was recognized by Great Britain and the war ended. So that's your very basic runaround of that war. How it started and how it ended. So there were 200,000 servicemen on the American side. Or maybe both. It didn't actually give mm-hmm. me information, so I'm curious to know like a to- if it, it was, was a total, total like servicemen altogether, both sides, or if it was just our side. Mm-hmm. I tried to okay. Wikipedia some of this because I know in some of the wars where we participated, I wanted to know just like the American service members, but I still couldn't get a full answer on that either, so... 
There was no Wikipedia in 17 in 1700s. Well, I know that. But Wikipedia has information <laughs> for everything. And they failed me. So, we're just going with whatever <laughs> is here. So, yeah, 200,000 okay. servicemen. Of those, 4,435 died. And 6,188 were wounded. And the cost mm. in today's money was $2.3 billion. Oh, that's a lot of money for not that many people. I know, right? <laughs> in comparison to what we have now is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. It's okay. crazy. All right. The War of 1812, which happened... In 1812 to 1815. Oh. U.S. declares war on Britain. Um, there you go. And then the war ended with no gain on either side. <laughs> Great. We were trying to take, I think it was said as like we were trying to take more, we were trying to take over some parts of Canada mm-hmm. and British said no. And then things happened, but then neither yes. of us got anything they, somebody somebody from England came over and licked part of Canada and then the US was like well no I called dibs on it <laughs> and then <laughs> it was like well I already licked it and they're like well I licked it first <laughs> so it's like let's just this draw straws yeah mm-hmm. okay and they both drew the short straw and nothing yeah. was gained but with that there were 286,000 service members mm-hmm. of those 2,260 died and 4,505 were wounded. Okay. And then the cost for that in today's money was $13,937,283. How did the Revolutionary War cost more? There was less people. I know, right? I think it was just so there was more. I think it was more than the War of 1812. I think they just... There was more that happened in the Revolutionary War okay. than what happened in this, because neither of them got anything from it. Uh, what does war so bring you? Nothing. Like the song says, nothing. "What war, what is it good for? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. Um, so the next one, the Mexican-American War, which was 1846 to 1848. It's good. Only two years. Remember mm-hmm. that. Two years. Only two years there. So this one was the Mexican-American War has, even though it was shorter, there was a lot more to it. Um, there was a lot of different reasons why this started. But one of them was uh, that Mexico did not recognize the annexation of Texas. So mm-hmm. there was something to do with, the, you know, Texas was annexed from Mexico and it was ours but they didn't recognize this you know signing of it so what happened was U.S. troops were attacked though I'm pretty sure they kind of provoked this as well as I was reading it I was like I don't think we're like blindsided by Mm -hmm. an attack from the Mexican army Mm -hmm. but nonetheless uh, our Congress declared war on Mexico and then the war ended by the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, and we gained some of the our states that were ruled by Mexico. So, right, fun stuff. 
So there were 78,718 service members. Not a whole, like not a whole lot Mm-mm. when you look at the other ones. Of those, 13,283 died, and then only 4,152 were wounded. So mm-hmm. there was a lot more casualty in is, that one. Is this the one that took place at the Alamo? You know what? Maybe. I think so. I'm not too familiar Maybe. with that one, despite mm-hmm. my heritage being Mexican. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I believe it was the one that took place at the Alamo, and there was a lot more Mexican troops yeah. than there was U.S. troops. I, th- I think that you're right. There was yeah. a lot. I was trying to look up more info on it through Wikipedia and whatnot, mm-hmm. uh, but it was just, there was a lot, and I got overwhelmed, and I was like, you know what? This is... This is this will work. <laughs> so the cost for this war was two billion one hundred and ninety million one hundred and forty four thousand six hundred and five dollars. Wow. That's a lot. That's that, a lot of money. That is a lot, yeah. That is a lot of money. And they damaged the Alamo people. There's bullet holes in the Alamo, if you've ever been there. And there's no basement in the Alamo. <laughs> it's a Pee Wee Herman nope. reference. If you've seen the Pee Wee Herman movie, you'll get it. <laughs> There's no basement in the Alamo. Oh, it's been so long since I've seen that one. So long. Why couldn't we just like all have sat down with with our fellow Mexicans and just have had some like bean burritos? Everything would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Just that. We come to some agreement. Yes. Take half of Texas and we'll take the other half. Okay. Be like. We brought you fucking Primo tequila from Central Mexico. Here you go. Um, My wife, Lupe, is going to make some tamales for you. <laughs> Let's peace for everybody. It's a peace offering. Right. Tequila and tamales. A peace offering. Yeah. Instead of spending, costing $2 billion on a war that's my peace offering jen is tequila and tamales well you know i don't do tequila. i like I that i don't do tequila like it just it's not it's not conducive to my lifestyle unless you want to get <laughs> headbutted no i don't no we don't want that i get I'm angry angry veronica just makes you so mad makes me tequila. so mexican and so mad <laughs> <laughs> It's not pretty. Oh. Good times. Good times. Sometimes. Um, <laughs> you know what was not a good time? What's not a good time was the American Civil War. No. No. That happened between 1861 and 1865. Mm-hmm. So this was fought by 11 southern states known as the Confederacy and then the Union states. This is the deadliest Amer- war in American history. Still, I'm pretty sure. To this day? To this day. Oh, wow. The Union won, and the war ended the practice of slavery. Yeah. In the Union, there were 2,803,300 service members. Mm. Of those, 360,000 were dead, and 275,175 were wounded. The cost... Just for the Union side was fifty-four 
billion three hundred and fifty-five million four hundred and seven thousand and thirty-nine dollars just on the Union side. Holy shit! Yeah. So the Confederate state, they had one million sixty-four thousand two hundred service members. Of those, two hundred and sixty thousand died, and a hundred and thirty-seven thousand were wounded. Um, the cost for them, just for the Confederate, was $34,046,793,420 today. Oh my god, you guys. Isn't that insane? War is expensive. <laughs> Holy cow. Why can't we just leave stuff alone? Just let it be. Right? Yeah. That was crazy. When I, re- I remember writing that one down, I was like, what? That's a lot of money. I didn't total it up, but that's a lot of money. Let's see. Next, the Spanish-American War. This was in 1898. Spain declared war on the U.S. because U.S. supported Cuban struggle for independence. It ended with the signing of Treaty of Paris, and U.S. gained the Philippines, Puerto Rico, and Guam. Is the Philippines an American territory? No, they're not anymore. Oh, but at one at that point they were. I guess at this time, yeah, eighteen ninety eight. Oh, they I had at least that. gained them. I knew, I knew about uh Puerto Rico and uh, Guam. But I didn't know mm-hmm. the Philippines was part of that. Hmm. Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah, there were three hundred and six thousand eight hundred service members. Of those. 387 died, and 1,662 were wounded. Hmm. And then the cost for that was $12,543,555,470. Oh, my. I mean, good Lord, no wonder we're in such debt. Holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> if if um, anybody is stationed on Guam... There's a lot of that history, which is really, really cool to um, read up on. And it, it, it was like devastating what the Spanish did to that culture. Um, mm-hmm. But it did introduce a different type of culture. And it really, um, it changed, it even changed their, their language, the Chamorro language to it, like converted into a lot of it is um, derived from Spanish words. So it's really interesting if anybody's stationed out there. Look into it. Yeah. Something to look at. Huh. Mm-hmm. Something to look into. For sure. Uh, so next is World War One. It was 1914 to 1918. It was fought between Allied powers, which was the Russian Empire, British Empire, France, the Empire of Japan, Italy, and the U.S. And Central Powers, which was the Ottoman Empire, German Empire, Austrian-Hungarian Empire, and Kingdom of Bulgaria. Mm -hmm. The Allied powers won, and then there were new nations that were formed. Oh, wow. So that's just one we participated in. We didn't start that. (laughs) We're like, we want, we want, we want, can we play? Hey, guys, can we play? I want to be part of this. And they're like, we don't know. Can we help you? You need help? You're American. We don't know. (laughs) I don't think we like you. I feel like you Mm -hmm. can be trouble. They were right. Yeah. They're true. That's yeah. not a lie. No. Um, there were 4,743,800 service members. 
Of those, um, 116,708 had died and 204,002 were wounded. Mm. The cost for this war in our dollar today was $391,239,468,000. Two hundred and forty-seven dollars. You guys, Jen is gonna run out of numbers here soon. <laughs> I know. The closer it's in... a lot. <laughs> the I have to like in... look at it before I say it because I'm like, okay, I gotta make sure. Like, okay, hundred thousand million billion. Okay, okay, you got this. <laughs> you got it. All right. Next one is World War Two, nineteen thirty-nine to nineteen forty-five. It started with German invasion of Poland. It was fought between Axis powers, which was Germany, Italy, and Japan, and Allies, which was British Empire, USSR, and the USA. Um, there was a Warsaw Pact, and NATO was created, and the Cold War began. I didn't write who won. Obviously, we know who won. <laughs> we did. Germans were gone. Okay. Yeah. We defeated. Nazis. We have conquered. Nazis were defeated. We helped conquer. You know, the U.S. history makes us look like we're the Americans were the fucking heroes, but the British did a lot, okay? The Brits were sent in first to check all this out, and then the here comes Mm -hmm. the Americans being like, hey, coast's clear, guys. Let's go in for the kill. (laughs) But we owe it to our British counterparts, you guys, okay? For sure. Yeah. For sure. We couldn't do it. Learn we couldn't some, do it without them. Yeah. Our, our history, American history system in the schools is very messed up. We need to learn more. How about we teach them about all the bad things the Americans have done? How about that? So we can have a better understanding of why things mm-hmm. work the way they do. So, just right. saying. Just and how saying. to not repeat history. Yes. And save us some billions of dollars because Jen's starting to... <laughs> sweat over naming all all these numbers it's a lot it's a lot so with world war ii there were 16 million 353 thousand 700 service members of those 407,316 died and 670,846 were wounded the cost in today's dollar was oh well, hold on. <laughs> Brain is processing. Oh, okay. Numbers. <laughs> I had to count my commas. I had <laughs> so the cost in today's dollar was four trillion one hundred and sixty-three billion eight hundred and sixty-three million one hundred and four thousand and fifty-five dollars. How many commas is that? Trillion. One, two, three, four. <gasps> That's a lot of commas, you guys. A lot of commas. That's why I was like, "Wait a minute, that's more than I've been." When I've said before, "Holy mm-hmm. cow!" Wow. So, well, all right. Next is the Korean War. Woohoo! Woo. <laughs> We're to the Korean War. <laughs> all right. Okay. It was in 1950 to 1953. North Korea invaded South Korea. Nations allied with the U.S. Uh, with U.S. intervened on behalf of South Korea. And I didn't write who won, so I believe you should know South Korea. History. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Thank you. 
Um, there were 5,764,100 service members. Uh, 33,651 had died and 103,284 were wounded. Mm -hmm. The cost for this war was, you think I would know this by now, $525,435,601,377. Jen, are are you learning place value? In this, I am. I because you're. Like, I am. I'm counting. Yeah, I'm counting from right to left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This this is the comma that ins- that um tells me it's in the thousands. This one's in the mm-hmm. hundred thousands. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Place value, people. That's I'm, exactly it. I'm learning this with my son right exactly. now. Or my daughter. Yeah. I mean, my daughter's learning place I value. I am in. I am in second grade again. Oh. Figuring it all out. All right. So. Vietnam War, 1959 to 1975. It was fought between communist forces of North Vietnam, Viet Cong, Khmer Rouge. Uh, say that. The what? Uh, it's K H M E R. K H M E R E R. Yeah. Yes, that one. Got it. Khmer. Khmer. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. Okay. Sounds People's right. Republic of China, USSR, North Korea, and uh, uh, Pathet Lao, and then the anti-communist forces of the U.S., South Vietnam, South Korea, Australia, Philippines, Thailand, New Zealand, Kingdom of Laos, and great, another one of those, Khmer Republic. Mm-hmm. We're just going to go with that. Um, but North Vietnam won. Mm-hmm. There were 8,744,000 service members, 58,168 had died, and 303,635 were wounded. The cost was $690,293,758,990. My goodness, seriously, no wonder we're in such debt if we're helping. <sighs> yeah. Helping that. Yes. My gosh. Okay. Two more. Two more, that's it. Thank goodness. The Gulf War, which was (laughs) 1990 to 1991, fought between Iraq and coalition forces of 34 nations authorized by the UN after Iraqi invasion of Kuwait. There were 2,750,000 service members. 382 died and 467 were wounded. This was the only one I was able to find how many U.S. service members died, which was only two, which was 219. So Mm -hmm. that's quite a bit from how many had died. The cost for this was. $121,652,458,000. One hundred and twenty-one billion six hundred and fifty-two million five hundred and seventy-seven thousand and six hundred and fifty-eight dollars. Okay. Wow. All right. So, the last one that we all know about is the war in Afghanistan. It started in two thousand and one, and it continues. Still continues. Beginning October seventh, two thousand and one, Operation Enduring Freedom is U.S.-led effort effort to drive al-Qaeda and Taliban forces from power in Afghanistan. As of August 2017, 
8,400, there has been only 8,400 U.S. troops? Mm-hmm. I feel like that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't seem right. Um, That seems very low. I don't know. I'll have to look at that one again. And, yeah, and then according to this article, there's um, 2,403 have died. Since uh, fiscal year 2016, the cost for this war was, has been $783 billion. You guys. Yikes. And that's only up to 2016, mm-hmm. so who knows what's going on. Well, who knows now with, I mean, with the recent activities that we had with um iran sorry i couldn't think of couldn't think of it iran back in last last year last year in january so you know at the start of the dumpster fire that was 2020 yeah right or it it continues to burn to this day so it's continuing we're we're not out of 2020 it it's a it was a lie we're still in the end of december so what happened what's happening (laughs) Is that, you know, like we're being submerged into 2021, much like when you buy a fish at the store and they tell you, keep it in the same water it came in and then transfer it to the bowl, but keep it in the same water in the bag until it gets the water becomes the same temperature and then you can let the fish go into its new home. That's we, we are the fish. We are the fish being <laughs> in the bag. And then yes. merging us yeah. into 2020. And so it's still, we're still in the bag. We have to let the water cool down <laughs> before they open the bag and release us into what will be our new home 2021. Does that make sense? It, oh, yeah. In completely. my head, it makes perfect sense. And I think that's what we're going for. We, we are all goldfish swimming around this bowl in a bag still. We're waiting to be released from the bag into our mm-hmm. home. Do we want to be released, though? I'm a little nervous to be released. Well, I think we'll be. I think we'll be okay, depending on who our owner is. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, are they gonna are they gonna feed us good food? Like, are they gonna give us good food, or are they just gonna continue to give us generic shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wait for our bodies to float to the top. Are they gonna what clean they out see? our tanks? Yeah. Are they going to clean yeah. out our tanks or just let us float in our own filth? Because that's what we're currently doing. Toilet. I'll take it. Flush me down the toilet. Send me to Mars. Matt Damon <laughs> says you can grow potatoes on there. I believe him. Well, apparently there's supposed to be somebody. I haven't seen anything on the news, though. I do avoid the news a lot. Same. Lately. Um, but somebody's supposed to be either landing on Mars or coming back, I can't remember. It was one of really? uh, one of our friends had said it. Oh, I'm gonna have to so, look that up. So, yes, yeah. I want to know if we can live there. Where is the space force? Where is yeah. the space force setting up a base on Mars? I want to be stationed there. <laughs> I'll go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our next assignment, or my husband's assignment, will be Mars. We're all going. It's PCS mm-hmm. season, you guys. Pack up your shit, move to Mars. You gotta downsize quite a bit. I heard the craters will, yeah. aren't as big no. as here. You just have to you gotta make sure that all your um HHG fits into the the carrier rocket. Yes. You'll be on one rocket, then there'll be another one. Yeah. With all your stuff and just pray that the um 
It's going to take... Like a robot th- flying your rocket does yeah. not get lost and your stuff is gone forever. It's going to take three years for your um your household goods to get there. It's going to mm-hmm. take about two years for you to get there. So you still got to wait an entire year for your stuff, which is the same yep. as here on Earth. Yeah. 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 You yeah. can't take your batteries. You can't take your spices. <laughs> no, no, no. No. No liquids. No liquids, None please. Yeah. Just uh, make sure you buy brand new shiny space suits because you'll be in them a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. That was great, Jen. That was great. I like that. I love the history of war. So we know what we've been dealing with here and how much money yeah. and how much money goes into it and, and the casualties of war. It's it's ridiculous and we wish we could stop it, but we have no power. We have no power. You and I have no power. All we do is provide it, provide you the information. Yep. That's all we can do. Just mm-hmm. give you the information. Here it is. That's it. Here it is. It. Do with it's it what you it. may. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was great. Yeah, wow. Veronica, your story was crazy. I know. Yet again. Mm-hmm. Blowing my mind. I know. I'm sorry. Blowing minds everywhere. That's what I do. I blow minds. Yeah. Yeah, I just, um, it was a long one. I apologize if anybody got, you know, bored in it. But I don't think you could have gotten bored. It was a, it was, it was a very interesting story. I don't want to say good because yeah. obviously it's not it was a good situation. But it was very interesting. I yeah. found it anyway, so. Mm-hmm. Cool. Always. Oh, that was great. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Well, before we say our goodbyes, I want to tell everybody how they can communicate with us, as I did at the beginning of this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Let us know how we're doing. Um, you can email us at dependesplaining at gmail.com or leave us a nice comment on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And uh, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Please rate us. Please rate us. You don't have to leave a comment. You can just rate us five stars. Why would you leave anything else? If we're not good, don't listen to us. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> if you don't like us, don't listen to us. Problem solved. Problem solved. See how easy that was? But if you do enjoy this podcast, even if you just enjoyed this episode and none of the others, I don't know why you wouldn't, but whatever. Give us five stars. <laughs> five Please. stars. It's free. You don't have to pay. You don't have to pay anything to just give us a five-star rating. That would just be... It's just so helpful for us in knowing that we're doing our job, basically. Our our free job. We do this... Lots of free. Freedom. Freedom. We do do this (laughs) for your entertainment. For our entertainment and for your entertainment. Mental health. It's optional. It's optional to listen. But please give us Mm -hmm. five-star ratings. And we love you guys. And we want you to stay safe and uh, keep safe. And the world is crazy right now. But we together as one can prevail. So let's just keep that in mind. Um, Power to the people. Um, So, yeah. Anyways, Jen, that's all I have for today. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Uh, find us wherever you listen to your podcast uh, stay tuned for the trailer for Mike and Moscato where you can also find them on the Milso Muster app as well subscribe to that monthly and hope you guys have a wonderful week weekend because I think this comes out later in the week so weekend yeah that's it so do what you can do your part stay safe stay healthy 
um, keep listening because wherever you go, there, there you, you are. are. Goodbye. Bye. Giving me a little blinking red. Okay. And three, two, one. <laughs> Let's try one more time. And if not, we'll just keep it as is because it'll be funny anyways. <laughs> okay. But are we more chill or are we like in your face cheerleader? Because I was going cheerleader and I, I can back off. <laughs> no, we can we can definitely do that. We can definitely um be cheerleader type. I don't know. Because it's supposed to give them a sense of what the rest of the podcast is going to sound like. Okay, yeah, then we probably don't want to do cheerleaders. <laughs> Three, two, one. Hey, hey there, there, podcasters. podcasters. <laughs> Welcome to Mike and Moscato. We're your hosts, Jasmine. And Kristen, we're so glad you're here. We're two military wives on two very different paths who decided that our talks over wine needed to be shared with everyone. From military wife life to everything that surrounds it without holding back anything. Oh, I didn't see it. <laughs> sorry, I needed to save because I gave you more lines. <laughs> oh. oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I didn't it just it just popped up. I'm like, yeah. oh wait, another line. <laughs> That's because I didn't save. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, tech. Gotta love it. You were just like, uh, keep going. Like, I'm like, that's it. There's no more. I'm like, all I'm right. Like, You're doing so good. Next line. Okay. Anyway, now you see. You're doing great, sweetie. You're doing great. <laughs> military wife life to everything that surrounds it without holding back anything. Whether you're a military spouse or not, grab your wine because it's always five o'clock somewhere. We hope you'll come along for the laughs. See you, See on, you on the Scott Scott Mondays. Mondays. <laughs>